Hello, listeners, and welcome to the 42nd episode of the Always Drive podcast, your weekly look at the latest news from the car, truck, and motorcycle industries where we take everything but ourselves seriously. I'm your host, Devlin Riggs, and I have been a very busy boy the past week. Uh, Not only did I fit in a trip to the very nice town of Huntsville, Alabama, I made it to the doctor today who gave me a gigantic shot of cortisone in my wrist in an effort to heal an injury I've had since September when I heroically uh, slipped while playing kickball and landed square on my hand. Uh, turns out cleats don't grip so well on concrete, which you'd think I would know from playing soccer my entire life. Anyway, um... Uh, typing is really painful since I'm currently in the worse before better stage of recovery right now. So this week's episode is going totally unscripted uh, in the sort of first or second edition of the Always Drive podcast freestyle. So let's kick it off with your top stories. And it goes a little something like this. First up this week, uh, there is a huge story out of uh, Ford's Chicago-based plant. They have an assembly plant and a stamping plant there, and both have had some serious issues with uh, sexual misconduct. And uh, although in August Ford paid about $10 million to settle uh, racial and sexual harassment investigation at those plants, um, apparently the issue is a lot more widespread As a a story in the New York Times revealed, um, more than a dozen women have come forward with um, accounts of harassment, um, groping, intimidation, sexual coercion, just all sorts of really, really awful things that uh, their colleagues are putting them through there. And uh, I mean, the the Times story is called How a Culture of Harassment Persisted on Ford's Factory Floors, which is, I mean, pretty obvious uh, take on on what the the story is there, but uh, Ford has some explaining to do here because even though they say that they're working on it and they've paid out this money for the settlement, they're clearly not making any progress here because this is continuing to happen. So this week, uh, in response to the New York Times story, um, Ford has announced that they're starting uh, to play a three minute video on a loop in all of their uh, assembly plants and factories, uh, all, all 24 of them, uh, basically uh, f- featuring uh, Bruce Heddle, who's Ford's head of manufacturing and labor affairs, and Jimmy Settles, who's uh, vice president of UAW's Ford department. Um, uh, basically, uh, this video is, is uh, uh, talking about uh, harassment and discrimination and how it undermines the things that Ford stands for, uh, and whether or not this, uh, you know, punishment for these factories for the actions of a few people in Chicago is really going to affect any change in those Chicago factories, uh, remains to be seen. But I, I mean, if I, I mean, I work at a single office among many, uh, uh, in my division in this company. And if we had a, a looped video playing in our office because of the actions of somebody else, I would be pretty disappointed about this because it's not really addressing the root of the problem. You know, they're coming out there with a big 
uh, campaign, you know, something very publicly visible that they're doing, but what they're not doing is, is apparently addressing the matter at its core. So I think until you see uh, some serious changes go on in Chicago, whether that's a change of leadership, which they've already done and has shown to be ineffective, or, uh, you know, and actually overhauling the workforces there, because a, a lot of these coercions apparently happen because these people have good, well-paying jobs and don't want to lose them, so they try to sabotage other people who might speak out against them. Uh, you know, those people deserve to lose their jobs if they're, if they're doing these sort of things. So Ford really has some, uh, some deep investigating to do here, and especially in the age of uh, the Me Too movement, where you know the, this sort of uh, sexual predatory behavior isn't being tolerated in any industry, the automotive industry really uh, needs to set an example that that they won't allow this sort of thing to happen either. Tesla was in the news quite a bit this week, and uh, that one of the main stories was that. Uh, uh, in Amsterdam, uh, a taxi company who uses primarily um, Tesla Model S's for their fleet is renewing their fleet and is selling all of the 2014 Model S cars that they had in stock. And I mean, I was just in Amsterdam a few months ago, and we were, my wife and I were constantly pointing out Tesla taxis there because we thought it was a pretty neat concept that that they were using them, uh, but. All of these cars have about a uh, hundred and twenty-four thousand miles on them, and they're still being sold for about uh, f- almost fifty thousand U.S. dollars. Which, uh, although you know that's not bad given the the normal asking price for a Tesla Model S, these have been some pretty hard miles on really hard roads in Amsterdam, uh, just cobblestones everywhere. So, um, I don't know what type of investment this would look like for buyers, but. It doesn't seem that attractive to me. Um, <laughs> you know, fleet vehicles in general don't really hold their value too well. So I would be surprised if Tesla saw, hu- or this company saw a huge success in selling these Teslas. Uh, that said, um, Tesla has uh, come out this week and said that new taxi and Uber drivers who use uh, any of their cars will not be allowed to use the company's superchargers anymore uh, due to policy changes. Uh, the rules are apparently meant to uh, discourage the use by, by commercial drivers so that the superchargers will be available for uh, other customers uh, who don't have immediate access to home or workplace charging. Um, of course, uh, you know, the supercharger network is great if you have a taxi because you basically never have any downtime. You can just go plug in, and in 20 minutes, you're ready to go again. But if you don't have that access, it's going to mean a lot of companies uh, who have uh, Tesla taxis or a lot of drivers who use Teslas as, as Ubers will have to invest in fast chargers, either in their home or in another location, which raises the overall cost uh, uh, of, of ownership and of, of uh, maintenance. So this could be a, a, a real impact uh, decision in whether or not Teslas are used as ride-sharing vehicles anymore. Um, that said, uh, there is a Tesla on eBay right now that is sort of the ultimate ride-share uh, because it has been almost completely converted into a limousine. 
And uh, right now it's up for sale for less than a standard Model S uh, P85D, um, which is one of the the higher range models. Um, But it's, like I said, not completely finished. So apparently this thing was uh, conceived as sort of an advertising expense for some company and they just dropped it so it never got completed so now the company that was completing the uh the conversion to a limousine is trying to sell this with the understanding that you would then pay the company to finish the 10 percent remaining work to make it roadworthy um it it's pretty neat looking i mean they lo- it looks like they did a really good job with the conversion but um all those battery cells in a slightly weakened structure does worry me quite a bit. So, uh, you know, you're assuming a lot of risk with this sort of thing. And uh, I don't know that uh, I would be worth uh, risking my life in a fiery, flamey death for somebody who, uh, you know, has never done this sort of thing to a Tesla before. Um, also in Tesla news, UPS has apparently ordered 125 of the company's electric semi-trucks, and this is the largest order to date, which it, you would think would be great news for the company, but um, according to analysts uh, this week, uh, there's a story in Bloomberg that says uh, Tesla is just absolutely headed for a brick wall. This was by... Uh, a quote from Jim Chanos, who's a well-known short seller and investment manager, apparently, if you're into that sort of thing. Um, he he actually predicted that Elon Musk is going to depart Tesla in the next couple of years, uh, probably headed to one of his other companies like SpaceX. Um, and he said that uh, the management could change drastically, but as German car companies start to come out with uh, real competitors to Tesla... In the electric vehicle space, that sort of novelty of having um, that, uh, you know, first uh, luxury electric car, uh, that's going to go away, and and Tesla's niche isn't going to be there anymore. Instead, people are going to be trusting the cars that uh, come from companies who have been making cars for a long time, like BMW and Porsche. Um, But it's not just BMW and Porsche who are knocking on Tesla's door. Um, Toyota announced this week that uh, they are planning 10 all-electric vehicles um, to be for sale worldwide by 2020, or at least the early 2020s. Um, I mean, that at this point, that's two years away. So we haven't really seen all-electric vehicles from them. We've seen prototypes like the, the RAV4 EV, and we have the range-extended hybrid vehicles like the Prius Prime, but we haven't really seen honest god evs from them um we we have seen several fuel cell models and i think they're going to continue down that path based on the the partnerships that they developed but uh toyota is really pushing uh electrification and they're also pushing autonomy so tesla's got a competitor not just uh from bmw and and audi and porsche in the luxury space but for their model 3 as well coming from the likes of Toyota and Honda, who are hot on their heels in terms of EV development. So those are your top stories. Let's uh, cover some headlines.
Consumer Reports this week came out with the list of uh, some of their top vehicles in the satisfaction survey. Um, the top vehicle uh, in the SUV category was the Toyota Highlander, uh, which was followed actually by Toyota's own 4Runner, uh, which is interesting because they're just they're very different vehicles. The uh, the Highlander is you know based on a Camry. It's a soft sort of uh, you barely utility vehicle. It's definitely a crossover because it's built on a car platform, whereas the 4Runner is very much a truck. It's built a body-on-frame. It's one of the only ones, uh, only SUVs left that is body-on-frame. So they're two very different rider experiences and driver experiences, but um, they both lead consumer reports in the SUV satisfaction rating survey. Uh, also towards the top are uh, the Honda Pilot, which obviously is the main competitor for the Toyota Highlander. Um, the VW Touareg, which is in the same sort of class. And uh, uh, the Jeep Wrangler, um, which apparently owners love despite uh, some faults they find with it, uh, namely being a Fiat Chrysler vehicle. Um, the company, of course, had most of the rest of its vehicles in the very bottom part of that survey. Um, in terms of... The least satisfying cars across uh, segments to own, um, they also detailed that list this week. Um, on that list of the 10 least satisfying cars is, of course, the Dodge Grand Caravan, um, which is basically the same car that it was in 2008, and uh, you know, a nine-year life cycle for a car is just ridiculously long. Uh, the Fiat 500, which is small and cute but really shitty. Uh, the Ford Transit Connect, which is really a van and that's uh, designed as a commercial vehicle, so I'm not really sure why uh, people would be disappointed in it. The Infiniti QX60, which is basically a fancy uh, Nissan Pathfinder um, with uh, some, you know, go-fast-looking parts. Um, fuel economy on it sucks. The Dodge Journey, which is basically Fiat Chrysler's version of the Nissan Pathfinder as well, um, which is also shitty. The Nissan Versa sedan, uh, which it, for a long time was the only car you could buy for less than $10,000 in the U.S. And there is a, there's a reason uh, that it was less than $10,000. Uh, the Chevy Trax, which uh, received a mild facelift this year, but is still um, kind of uh, an odd duck out because it's a small car with a small engine that isn't really powerful and it doesn't really get good gas mileage. So uh, you're sort of getting a jacked up smart car, which uh, is to nobody's liking. Uh, I think the most interesting one on this list is the Acura ILX, which is basically a fancy, um, uh, a fancy Civic. Um, apparently the car's stiff and jumpy ride were disappointing to the uh, probably septuagenarians who were buying Acuras uh, because they uh, didn't expect a car with a short wheelbase to, uh, to not have a great ride because they just don't understand physics. Um, the Nissan Sentra is up next, and I drove one of those in Boston and uh, completely agree with why this is on the list. Uh, apparently, I love this quote, it was described as ho-hum and joyless, which uh, you never want to have a car described as joyless. Uh, there are so many of them, but uh, yeah, just avoid them. Uh, but the absolute bottom on the list is the Mercedes-Benz GLA class. Um, you know, that might be surprising because it's a Mercedes-Benz, but basically it's a 
tiny, weird hatchback sedan sort of crossover thing. It's expensive. Uh, the ride sucks. The engines suck. The space inside sucks. It's just, it's just, you know, you're buying a Mercedes GLA to say that you drive a Mercedes, not because it's a good Mercedes. So um, that is probably why you'd find it at the bottom of a uh, customer satisfaction list. Uh, what else this week? Uh, oh, yeah, so um, Christmas is about the time where automakers try to whip out all their little novelties that get you interested in their vehicles around the holiday season because they don't want December to be a terrible sales month. Um, so they do kind of dumb stunts just to generate interest in their cars. Um, but this year, it, it wasn't actually a car company doing it, but rather a tuner. Um, Hennessy Performance uh, got themselves uh, their hands on a, a Challenger um, Hellcat uh, and strapped a Christmas tree to the top of it, uh, as most people take their Christmas, their live Christmas trees home when they buy them. Uh, and uh, just went to see how fast it could go. And uh, the car hit a top speed of 177 miles an hour um, without the tree, but with the tree, uh, strangely, it hit 174. So, I mean, I guess if you're really in a hurry to get home from Christmas uh, with your tree on your roof, uh, having it there isn't really going to impact how fast you can get home. So... Uh, maybe, uh, uh, you know, a nice bit of consumer advice there from Hennessy, but mostly just a waste of everybody's time. Uh, next up, uh, Mercedes-Benz is, uh, trying to figure out what sounds their cars should make. Um, and that sounds kind of weird, but, uh, with electric vehicles, you know, they make kind of no sound. So, uh, in the interest of, uh, pedestrian protection a lot of companies are trying to figure out okay can we make them have a sound around pedestrians so pedestrians don't walk out in the street in front of electric vehicles if they're blind or just paying attention to their cell phone like everybody actually does um so mercedes-benz is trying to come up with some sort of electrified sounds that sound like an electric car might sound uh so in order to do that they're consulting with Lincoln Park um, because they make music with electric sounds. Um, there are very little details on the extent of this partnership or what has actually come of it yet, but apparently um, this may become a thing where we just have electric cars making little jingles that were made up by bands from, you know, the 90s and 2000s that are still trying to find a way to remain relevant after their lead singer is dead. Uh, R.I.P. Chester. Let's see. Next up in the Feedly. For a look behind the curtain, I, I, I aggregate all my news through Feedly and then just use that as a source of information, which I sort of go and pick out what I think is interesting and then write on it. Uh, anyway, uh, next interesting story I thought was that uh, Saudi women uh, who were granted the ability to drive earlier this year have been now granted the ability to ride a motorcycle. Um, it, in September, uh, it was uh, women were allowed to drive, so it's not 
that far off of uh, that announcement that uh, this motorcycling uh, initiative has been announced. But, uh, I mean, they're still going to have to cover up. So, you know, maybe the full-face helmet uh, just sort of acts as a, you know, a safe hijab now. I don't I don't know. It's a, it's a really backwards place. Um, this year, um, it was announced this week that the average CO2 emissions uh, increased in cars for the first time in 14 years. Um, and they say that this is probably due to a shift away from diesel, um, it, which, uh, you know, a lot of diesels, diesel gate aside, are, are pretty clean vehicles because they have to be to uh, be allowed out on the roads. But, I mean, we're also looking at a, a world where gas is cheap and people have uh, uh, overwhelmingly started buying uh, SUVs and crossovers over more fuel-efficient sedans and uh, hatchbacks. So, you know, there I think there are a lot of factors at play here uh, in terms of why the uh, annual emissions have increased um, for the first time in a decade and a half. But this uh, is absolutely goes hand-in-hand hand with the fact that cars are now um, the single highest producer of carbon emissions. And, uh, you know, all of that plays into the hand of why we need electric vehicles on the roads. You know, all, all vehicles aren't going to be electric for a very long time. But the greater percentage of vehicles that are electric the greater the reduction in CO2 emissions is going to be, and that, that's going to benefit everybody in the long run. As long as the electricity we're getting to uh, power these cars is not from coal, obviously. Um, <clears throat> next up, uh, Takata have uh, confirmed the 20th death from their uh, defective airbag inflators. Uh, this actually happened... In uh, uh, on July 10th, uh, a person was driving a 2004 Honda Civic and crashed in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. But it was just revealed this week that the airbag was likely at fault for the person's death. Um, this really goes to illustrate the fact that uh, fewer than half the people with recalled cars because of these Takata inflators have gotten them fixed. Uh, I, I also read this week that Honda has their employees, honest to God, going door to door to people who uh, are known to own cars that have been recalled and imploring them to go get them fixed. And, you know, never before has this been done where, where there's a recall and companies are actually sending out their employees to get them fixed. But, you know, I think that more than anything else just goes to show the danger that these things pose and the understanding that car companies have that it's their duty to keep keep their their drivers their owners safe because the owners are are demonstrating that they cannot be trusted to do so themselves next up um the montreal uh hosted a formula e race last year and uh montreal is a bit different so their their course their formula e course was a a road course uh, around the city and they they had just massive infrastructure costs and the race ended up not making any money but actually costing taxpayers about 27 million US dollars to put on 
So uh, they have announced this week that they will cancel uh, its Formula E race weekend um, for the next race season because uh, they don't want to pay that money anymore. Um, you know, most other circuits are actually on tracks dedicated for racing and don't take place in cities. Or if they do, they're like Monaco, where the city has been doing it for so long that they sort of have systems in place to accommodate that. So um, it's it's not a great surprise that this is happening, but it's certainly a disappointment that um, Montreal's not not going to be supporting Formula E anymore. Um, in other racing news, Ferrari has uh, decided to uh, tell Formula One's new owners that if they don't make some changes. They are taking their toys and going home. Um, by that, I mean they're saying that they're going to quit Formula One and start their own racing series, which, I, I mean, who are you kidding, Ferrari? You you guys are synonymous with Formula One. Yes, last season was tough. You guys didn't do a whole lot of winning, but you did more than the season before that. And I feel like, I really feel like the new owners of Formula One, the whatever media group it is, they're actually taking some strides to improve the sport and make it more watchable. So, you know, obviously there have been some loopholes recently that Mercedes has exploited to win and just win and win and win. But I think Ferrari will get to the point where they can be competitive too um, without having to pull stunts like, oh, well, we're going to quit and go do our own thing. It just, it screams of being a bit childish, but, you know, I guess they're, just, you know, Italian. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. Uh, speaking of Italians, I mentioned last week that uh, Ferrari met their sales goals two years earlier than they thought they were going to because of high sales. Uh, well, this is not shared. This success is not shared among all Italian manufacturers because uh, Maserati has announced this week that um, their uh, production shutdown that usually happens around Christmas is uh, being extended into uh, January a little bit because um, they're just not selling enough cars. The factory that is being shut down makes uh, the Ghibli and Quattroporte, and it was closed for three weeks last year, but it's going to be closed um, quite a lot longer this year. They're not saying exactly how long, but apparently... Um, sales in China have uh, been hurt by uh, new regulations that have uh, complicated the relationship between dealers and automakers. I don't. I, it sounds like just some excuses for not having fresh cars because they have the GT that's been around for what 14 years now. Um, I think Maserati needs to get off their asses and start actually producing the Levante, which people want and making the Ghibli and uh, Quattroporte uh, compelling cars in, in the face of uh, stiff competition from other luxur luxury car makers. Uh, next up, uh, CarMax uh, Q3 earnings rise 8.9%, which uh, is absolutely not interesting at all. But for another look behind the curtain, these are the types of stories that I have to parse through to get to the interesting stuff that I share every day. Nobody wants to hear about CarMax's quarterly earnings, but these are the things that uh, that that clog up my newsfeed. Uh, anyway, Subaru um, they are under uh, investigation right now uh, as to whether or not they have falsified 
uh, mileage readings during final checks of its cars. Um, they also have a uh, vehicle inspection scandal, so uh, this, these might be just a little bit connected. Um, the shares of the company have been down 8%, uh, which, I mean, is large given that it's only announced that they've been under investigation. Remember, uh, last year, the same thing happened to Mitsubishi, who had to uh, adjust all of their fuel economy because they admitted that they overstated it. They lost around 40% of their market share, uh, which we equated to about $3.2 billion. So uh, we'll have to see if this develops into anything for Subaru, but um, if it does, it could be really disastrous from a company that has been on an absolute sales uh, success streak this year, uh, while most other car companies have been uh, failing pretty hard. So um, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that and report back if uh, the mileage data actually has been altered um, and your uh, WRX is not getting the promised 15 miles per gallon or whatever it is after you put on the new injectors for your sweet sir, turbocharger. Um, Faraday Future. We haven't covered them in a while uh, because they're uh, mostly just uh, doing nothing, but apparently uh, something has been going on um, because they claim to have raised uh, another billion dollars and have hired another CEO. Uh, so uh, this is pretty much all the information we have. Uh, I don't really believe that this company is ever capable of actually making a car. Uh, it's definitely not totally real still, but they're certainly seeming to be able to coax a lot of people out of their money. Interesting. Um Waymo this week announced that they have teamed up with a company called Trove. I think it's how you pronounce it. But anyway, this this company is going to provide uh, insurance for buyers of, uh, well, for riders, I guess now, but if in the future, probably buyers of autonomous vehicles. Um, this will, you know, cover any accidents that happen uh, and any injuries. Um, but what I thought was most interesting about this is that uh, even though um, they've announced that there's there's going to be coverage, it, it still hasn't announced who they think will be at fault for whatever happens. Like, will it be the car company? Will it be the drivers? Will it be the passengers? You know, that we, we just don't know who will be assessed blame and who will be on the hook for whatever deductible is there. But it, it's kind of neat that um, we now have car companies uh, who will be bundling insurance with their vehicles. That sort of takes a, at least a little bit of the guesswork out of uh, how autonomous cars are going to function. Uh, speaking of autonomous cars functioning, uh, they can't function too much worse than uh, real-life drivers um, who are at a fault for the majority of uh, what uh, I guess is a technical term, a phantom traffic jam, or sometime when you just slow down in traffic for no real reason and then catch up back to speed without ever seeing an accident or anything. Um, the, the This is the result of tailgating, um, just following someone way too closely, which I know I, I'm guilty of from time to time, but, you know, it's your fault when you're in your stupid red 2012 Honda Civic and driving five miles an hour under the speed limit in the freaking fast lane. Um, yeah, 
tailgating is bad, and it leads to traffic jams. Uh, so says uh, MIT professor Bertold Horn and his postdoc, Liang Wang, who um, probably had a really boring research, um, uh, I don't know, thesis. Uh, it's just watching cars slow down because of somebody tailgating. It cannot be that exciting. Anyway, don't tailgate people. Um, uh, in, uh, in other news, uh, there was a, a really neat video of a French motorcyclist who is dressed as Santa Claus and uh, just riding his motorcycle through somewhere in France. Uh, and then he saw a driver in a Renault Clio run into a woman and knock her over and then, then just drive off. Well, uh, the Santa Claus chased down the Renault driver and uh, tried to stop them, uh, flagging down a motor- motorcycle cop, ultimately, who arrested the driver and uh, charged him with a hit and run. So not only is uh, Santa Claus just sort of, uh, you know, bringing good toys to good little girls and boys, he's bringing justice. Um, New York Times reported this week that uh, Ford is moving a uh, technical base into Detroit, which um, is kind of a big deal because uh, uh, although Detroit is sort of synonymous with the big three American car makers, Ford hasn't been in Detroit uh, for a long time. They, they have their headquarters in Dearborn, Michigan, which is outside the city. So uh, in an effort to sort of create a urban environment similar to a Silicon Valley startup, uh, Ford is moving uh, its development of battery-powered vehicles and driverless technology into a building in downtown Detroit proper. Um, and they say that returning to Tro- Detroit is particularly meaningful because it's where my great-grandfather set out to pursue his passion and where we have always called our home, said William C. Ford, uh, undoubtedly from the company's headquarters, not in Detroit. So um, it's just interesting that uh, these companies are trying to get this whole, uh, you know, urban environment into their culture because they think that this is where most of the autonomous vehicles and the electric vehicles will be selling. Uh, I'm not sure if the mentality will carry over from environment to execution, but it's kind of neat that uh, they're moving someplace that's not in San Jose. Um, the Grand Tour has been, uh, in its second season, uh, for two weeks now, and, uh, it, it, it's good. It's, uh, you know, the, but kind of more of the same, but, uh, less of the bad stuff that, uh, we didn't like and they ultimately got rid of, such as the, uh, celebrity brain crash, which was just a brain fart of an idea. I have no idea why. They pursued it over the course of, uh, what was it, eight weeks last season. Uh, also gone is the American, the uh, uh, offensively stereotypical hick American racing driver who they had set all their fast laps in test cars. Uh, and in his place, I think, is one of the most interesting parts about the new season um, is a female driver who went unnamed in the second episode when, when she was in non-introduced introduced. Uh, but she's a 25-year-old named Abby Eaton, who um, is uh, she has two championship titles, um, 25 wins, 38 podium, podiums, and the 16 fastest laps marked 
in her eight-year racing career, which means she was racing before most of us were legally allowed to drive, which is pretty badass. Um, I think, I mean, it looked like she was a great driver with the Mercedes-AMG GTR, which she took around uh, their test track. They... Uh, facetiously call the Ebola drone. Um, but uh, I, I think it's really neat that they're, that the Grand Tour, which is, you know, a show made by stodgy old guys, uh, is, is having a, a spry young woman as their racing driver, who is undoubtedly way, way faster than any of the three old guys. Um, VW announced this week that it's going to install 2,800 uh, U.S. electric vehicle charging stations as part of its electric Electrify America movement. Um, it, it's going to focus on the 17 largest U.S. cities, and the charging stations will be located around 500 different sites. This is, of course, all part of their penalty for um, lying to... Uh, consumers and regulators about the performance of their diesel cars. Uh, BMW, uh, to the same token, uh, has announced that they have hit their global sales target of selling 100,000 electric cars or electrified cars. They weren't too specific, but given that the i3 and i8 are their only real honest electric cars, they must mean electrified cars. So that's not really that big a news story, BMW, but thank you for issuing a press release about it. Um, what else this week? Um, oh yeah, let's get into some new cars. Brand new, brand new, brand new. You don't like it unless brand new. you might see me in my well with my First up is more new motorcycle news. Um, Kawasaki unveiled the new Z900RS this week, which is a uh, sort of naked standard version of their Z900. Um, it's a, a really sweet-looking bike. Honestly, it reminds me a lot of my Triumph, which I, I still adore the look of, even though I don't ever ride it anymore. Um, but uh, it's just loaded with new features including for some reason a detuned engine um the z900 which is more of a sport bike type of thing uh comes with 125 horsepower but uh the z900 rs uh makes less than that um which honestly for a bike 100 horsepower is a lot of power in terms of uh power to weight ratio so I don't think you'll be missing much. It, it, it looks like a killer bike. It's probably going to handle pretty well because of uh, the, uh, you know, the um, heritage it has and the, the, the technology it shares with the Z900. And uh, it looks like it's going to sound really cool too. Um, but we'll have to wait uh, and until we get a, a video of it to, to hear that. Uh, next up, the Chevy Silverado uh, was debuted this week. Um, ahead of uh, its, I guess, uh, full unveiling at the Detroit Auto Show. Um, this was uh, hosted at a press event at the Texas Motor Speedway uh, for Chevy Truck's 100th anniversary. Um, honestly, I really like the, the current model Silverado. There's uh, One of my neighbors has a white one, and every time I pass it, I think, man, that is a, a really sharp-looking truck. But the, the new Silverado, it, it takes that uh, to a sort of new extreme uh, with a sort of streamlined, sleeker looks and more aerodynamic. 
Um, it, it's just a, a, a really nice, handsome-looking truck with some, some cool-looking uh, LED running lights. Um, I think the coolest part about its unveiling was that it was uh, dropped off by helicopter, uh, which is, uh, uh, you know, truly excessive, but uh, just, you know, in line with the, the types of ridiculous stunts that uh, car makers pull off to try to generate buzz with their new cars. Also this week, uh, the NIO ES8 was detailed, and if you have no idea what that means, uh, that, then you're not alone. Uh, NIO, or N-I-O, uh, it's uh, a company who made news a little earlier this year when its uh, EP9 vehicle set uh, the Nürburgring lap record for an electric vehicle. Uh, the ES8, however, is a, uh, a more traditional-looking uh, crossover SUV-type vehicle. Um, this one has 643 horsepower, a 220-mile range, um, which is, uh, you know, close to, to what you'd get with the Tesla Model X, except this thing actually looks like an SUV and not uh, a deformed egg. Um, it probably has doors that open normally, and uh, I, I don't know if it's going to be reliable or not, but, uh, you know, it looks pretty fancy. It should go really well. It has a 70 kilowatt hour battery, which is on the, on the lower end in terms of kilowatt hours. But, uh, you know, 220 miles is probably more than most people really need out of a vehicle. Um, it has a bunch of safety features, and uh, it's starting for sale in China, which is, I guess, where NIO is based, at uh, around $67,000. Um, and uh, no word on if we'll get it here in the States yet, but uh, it's seeming more and more like it might be, uh, you know, one of the first real competitors to the Model X. Uh, coming out of China. Let's see what else. Oh, electric car news. This, this, this. I should have led with this because uh, I, I'm legitimately excited about this. Um, Morgan is a, a British car company who is famous for making their cars chassis out of wood. Um, they are not doing that with their next car. Uh, it's called the EV3, and it's basically an electrified version of their the Morgan three-wheeler, which has two wheels in the front, one wheel in the back, and the three-wheeler is uh, powered by a V-twin motorcycle engine just strapped to the front of the thing. Um, the EV3, however, is all-electric and uh, has a, a claimed range of 120 miles, has an 80-horsepower, or a 56-horsepower motor, excuse me, 80-horsepower is for the V-twin, um, and it has a 21 kilowatt hour battery pack. And I mean, yes, that's a lot smaller than the NIO ES8, but this vehicle is also way smaller. I mean, it's a two-seater open-top vehicle, which has just like a really cool retro steampunk sort of aesthetic to it. It, it looks like a silver bullet, honestly, with wheels on it. And then there's skinny little tires it just looks like it will be an absolute blast to drive. Uh, unfortunately, they say that the pricing will be comparable to the Morgan three-wheeler, which uh, currently costs about 31,000 pounds, um, which is some amount of money in American dollars, but uh, some amount, a lot of money for what is essentially a toy car. Um, the Honda Insight uh, was also debuted this week, um, and, you know... The Insight has gone through some ups and downs, shall we say, because the, the first generation Honda Insight was a, a two-door hybrid vehicle, which was really popular among hyper-milers. It had 
fairings over the rear wheels to cut down on wind resistance and uh it it was a, kind of a neat uh, initial take on a hybrid the second generation insight however was like a watered down crappy prius with the same aesthetic as a prius so uh now the insight it's basically a watered down version of the civic hybrid so there's not going to be a civic hybrid anymore the insight is just going to be the civic hybrid so it's going to look a little bit differently it's going to have styling sort of that's like mixed between the new accord and the new clarity and the civic which is basically just a big plastic chrome eyebrow across the front of it, it it's not an especially attractive looking car but uh we'll we'll see you know if it's decent to drive it it'll probably be fine but i don't know why you would go with this over the over a prius honestly it, they're you know functionally about the same um, and a other exciting new car news, it's not really a new car, but a new face for a car. Um, when the Jeep Cherokee, uh, came out, um, in 2014, uh, everyone was sort of, uh, smacked in the face with its styling because it had those weird little eyebrow LED running lights and the headlights closer to the bumper and the body. And it was just like ungainly. It was a slightly more mainstream Nissan Juke. Well, they have gone much more mainstream, putting the headlights at the top with the running lights. So it finally looks like probably how it should have looked when they came out with it uh, three years ago. So um, we still got the strange sort of bend in the grill that they are carrying over from the the non-facelifted model but uh, it, it is a drastic improvement over uh what we had before um ford is uh celebrating the holidays uh with a bright red uh ford focus rs it's the race red edition and it might as well be the santa's sleigh edition because it's it, it's that color um there's nothing really special about it other than it has uh Red paint and uh, privacy glass and uh, a couple of uh, fancy features that uh, come as options on other Ford Focus RSs. Um, the new uh, we we got a teaser image this week, and I don't normally share teasers. I like to wait until the full car debuts, but uh, this is a teaser image for a new Infinity concept vehicle that is going to be shown at some point next year, and. Uh, I, I, uh, unashamedly an infinity fanboy, and this thing just looks super, super cool. So if you get a chance, go, go check out the, uh, infinity concept car image that was, uh, published this week. Um, finally, um, to close out this week, um, let's see, uh, for this week's call to action, uh, obviously this is the season for giving. Um, but I think, uh, more impactful than giving gifts is, is to give your time. So, uh, I mean, not just, uh, you know, to your, your close relatives, but to also your friends and, and the people in your community, um, you know, gifts like comfy slippers, they're, they're great to, uh, to wear around the house and the wearer might think of you every time that they wear them. Um, but the, the memories that you create through the time that you invest are it's just it's just more infinitely impactful on the people that that you care about so 
uh, give your time this year, and and I suspect you're you're really gonna love what you get out of it. To uh, to take us out this week and to wish you a merry Christmas, um, I am going to leave you with the sounds of the forthcoming TVR Griffith, which is a 500 horsepower V8. Uh, from a ridiculous British car company that has no reliability whatsoever, but it's mental anyway. Merry Christmas, friends. Here is your moment of zen. (laughs) 